temperatures and the crispness in the air, but also we're beginning to see the beautiful color in the leaves and what a wonderful time that is. Let me ask you a question. Do you love to be loved? Do you love to be loved? I bet you do. I bet you do. I bet everybody in here would say, yeah, I love to be loved. I definitely don't want to be hated. Uh, you know, it's really a no-brainer. That kind of question is a no-brainer. And there's a reason for that, that we long to be loved. Uh, it, has, it goes back to the first chapter in Genesis, as a matter of fact, where, where we are told that we are created in the image and likeness of God. And God is 100% pure love. I mean, that's all he is. There's, uh, there's nothing ill in God, that's for sure. He's just all, uh, you know, it's sort of like, 100% orange juice kind of thing. That's what he is. He's just 100% pure love. And so what that means is if we're created in that image and likeness, it's going to rub off on us. Uh, it's going to be a part of our makeup. and It's going to be a part of our spiritual DNA. You might want to call it that way. We desire to be loved because we're made by love. And we're made for love, as a matter of fact. So uh, that's why we eagerly desire to be loved and also to love others as well. So what do we need to know about love? We talked about some things last week about love and the priority and primacy of love. But let's talk about uh, some other things today as we look into the scripture readings. The first thing, if we want to know about love, we have to set priorities on what it is that we love. Set priorities on what we love. And if you look at love, if you go to the mountain of love, the, at the top, if you climb, if you scale to the top of the mountain of love in your life, what you should find there is God. God. See, God is the love of your life. Only God, only God is deserving of our fullest and most enduring love. Now here's the challenge. Sometimes God's not placed in that number one position. Isn't that what we heard last week when the man approached Jesus? He was, he was considered to be a sincere man. He was a righteous man. He, he said, Lord, I've kept all these different commandments uh, ever since I was a kid. Uh, but then uh, Jesus says, well, you only lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. He couldn't do that. Why? Because as Jesus say, he said he couldn't do that at this time because this man loved his wealth more than he loved God. See, God was not at the apex of his life. Wealth was at the apex of his life. And there's a tendency, actually there's a great tendency to replace God with other lovers in life. Do you have other lovers in life? You know, that's what Paul called it when he wrote to Timothy. He talked about other lovers in life uh, that where God should be given first place and priority, but we find other things. Let me give you a list, just a few of them, that Paul mentions when he writes to Timothy. He says, lovers of money, lovers of power, lovers of pleasure, and lovers of themselves. You know, all of those are different kinds of things that we can do. Uh, it's really important. What we love is really important, and here's why. 
because what we love, what we desire, what is our passion, what is, as the car maker says, our driving passion, our driving force in life, it's going to direct us. It's going to guide us. It's going to, as corporations also say, it's going to become our mission in life. Uh, the, our mission in life is based upon what we love. It's not based upon our obligations. Uh, those are important, and we need to do that. But it's our mission in life is based on our passion. That is, what is it that we love? Jesus recognized that when he said to, in Matthew 6, he says, he says, wherever your treasure is, there you'll find what? Your heart, okay? Your heart is the core. That's who you are. That's your desire. Heart and love, they just go hand in hand. So where your treasure is, what it is that you desire, that's where your heart's going to be. You're going to find it right there. So I want to encourage you this morning to look into your heart and ask yourself, what's driving you today? What is it that's driving you? What is it that you, in those moments of silence, that you sit back and you dream and you say, I would love to do, I would love to. What is it that you would put there? See, fortunately for us, because uh, what we have assembled here today is the people of God, the, the, the royal priesthood of God, the, the, the nation of God, God's chosen people, it's easy for us to answer. With a resounding yes, we can say our number one priority, we feel it in our bones, is to love God above everything else. Right? That's what we're called to do. So you have to set priorities on what to love. The second thing is to moderate your loves. Uh, this is really important. Yes, God is at the top. God is at the apex of love, that's for sure. But there's other things that we love as well. And it's okay to love other things as well. For example, a family. It's okay to love your family, to love your parish, to love your career, to love a relaxing vacation or good health care. It's okay to love those kinds of things. And also an occasional Dairy Queen ice cream cone, you know? I was telling them last night, that's what I was going to do after Mass. And do you know what? One lady came up to me after Mass. You know what she did? She gave me a Dairy Queen ice cream cone. <laughs> that was awesome. So what did I do? Well, I said, I've got a little more to spend here, so I'm going to get, I'm not going with the ice cream cone. I'm going with a blizzard today. <laughs> you know? But I thought that was, that was so, that was so nice. And I, I truly enjoyed that ice cream cone, that's for sure. Um, but remember this, it's, uh, as we think about setting, moderating the loves in our lives, Paul said this when he wrote to Timothy in another place. He said, Timothy, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is at the root of all evil. It's okay to love money. It's okay to have money. We need money to pay the bills, don't we? You know, we're going to need to have some gas or electricity here pretty soon for the heat, aren't we? Well, we got to pay the bills. Uh, you know, or, or a great thing is the Catholic Services Appeal. We're in the process of raising $132,000 to support all the men and ministries of the Archdiocese of Louisville. And I can tell you, you've, 
you've done great so far. Uh, as a matter of fact, this past week we were mentioned, St. Albert the Great was mentioned as one of the highest giving parishes in the archdiocese at this point. So that's a good thing. We, money's okay, but we have to put it in proper perspective. Many things in life are good as long as we keep them in moderation. It's when that we become excessive with them then we, we put them before God that we become in an unhealthy situation. The third thing is to love as Jesus loved us. This is so important. Every, the more I think about this in life, the more reality it just sticks with me. See, Jesus is the fullest expression of how we are to love. Now, it's true, the primary mission of Jesus on earth was to bring salvation to people to restore our relationship with God, which he does as he goes upon the cross. He does that. But another thing that's very important that Jesus does is he models for us. See, he comes in the form of man, and he models for us what it means, what it's like to love God. What does loving God look like? Jesus gives us the example. He gives us the model that we are able to imitate. And I really like what Paul had to say in today's reading. He says this, follow Jesus, model Jesus, because Jesus knows what it's like to be you. Don't you aren't you attracted to people that know what it's like to be you? Have you ever been in a situation where you sit down and you said, boy, this is going on in my life, and and this person says, I know exactly what you're going through. Oh, you perk up, don't you? Well, they know, they understand what it means to be going through what you're going through. And Jesus does the same thing. He says, what does it say in the scriptures? He understands exactly what it means to be like you. He was tempted like you in every way, but without sin. But he understands what it means to be like you. Now, that's the kind of person I want to follow, uh, especially when you see the example that Jesus models. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exemplary model that we are to follow an example. And we see in the gospel reading today that for whatever the motivation, and I think it was a right motivation, uh, honestly, think about it, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come up to Jesus. You know, he's, he's almost at Jerusalem now for that final time. Uh, of course, they thought he was going to be made king, not uh, to be bearing of a cross. And they say, Lord, will you do us a favor? Anybody ever done that to you? Can you do, will you do me a favor? Well, what is it? What is it you want, you know? Well, we want to sit one to the left and one to the right when you enter into your, king, into your throne of glory. Now, I mean, a good indicator that they had good intentions is that they're not fighting over who's going to sit on the left and who's going to sit on the right. Uh, the right was always the seat of prominence, the right hand, the right hand. Uh, you know, that's terrible if you're a southpaw like me. You know, uh, you're, you're going to be subscribed to the left hand, you southpaw kind of person. But... Uh, no, just kidding on that. But uh, you, if you think about it, what greater place, if you're looking at the, as they are, what greater place to influence people and love people than to be sitting right there with the ear of Jesus? 
You know, you sort of turn your ear to the left and you say, Jesus, what do you think about this? What do you think about doing this? Well, that's the power of position and prominence, and they understood that to be his way of expanding who they were and serving and loving others. What did Jesus say? He said, my dear friends, your understanding of love is out of sync. It's out of sync. Uh, I, as I think about what Jesus said, I always think about Solomon and the words that he said in the Proverbs. He says this. He says, there's a way that seems right, but what does it do? In the end, it leads to destruction. This seems right, but is it right? And that's what Jesus, that's the beautiful example of Jesus and what he helps us to do. But it, Jesus says, instead, you know, that's reserved for whomever the Father is going to give it to you. And I can't tell you who that is because I don't know. He said, that's the Father's decision. But let me tell you this. This is how you're to love. Okay, now he's, he's redirecting them. He's showing them this is how you're to love. What did he say? Who's the greatest lover? The greatest lover is the one who is the servant of all. That's the greatest lover. The one, uh, and he says, if you be the least of all, if you take the, you don't take the seats of prominence, you take the, the lowly seats if you are, he says that you will love in a great way. It will lead to love, and you will truly impact the way you want to do. See, so many of us today, we think that, Boy, if I'm in this position, if I'm sitting in this seat or I'm in this office, I can do this and I can do that. Jesus said, no, no, no. Wait a minute. What's important is to take the least place, to be the servant, humility. But you do it with great love. That's what God's going to remember when you stand before him at the day of judgment. It's not how big a deal, your, your impact you make, is with how much love do you do it? See, once again, we're getting back to that love. And Jesus says, imitate that. But you might be thinking now, well, that isn't really love if it has boundaries. You know, Jesus is sort of setting the boundaries there. And uh, what about a quote? I, I saw on a uh, car, a bumper sticker, a quote, in interestingly, and it said this, and you might have seen it, Love and do what you will. Have you seen that one yet? Love and do what you will. Hmm, that's an interesting one, isn't it? There's, that's, that's totally open with the boundaries. When I saw that, uh, I'm, I said, I'm going to go look that one up. I want to see who said that. You know who said that? St. Augustine. One of the greatest doctors of the church. One of the greatest spiritual and theologians of the church said do what you will, love, and do what you will. Well, we definitely need some context there, don't we? Context is very important if we truly want to love. Isn't that what Jesus did at the temple with the woman after all of her accusers left her? What did he say? He said, where are they? He said, your sins are forgiven. There's that unconditional love. But then he says, here's the context, he says, go and sin no more, doesn't he? He says, don't, don't uh, overuse this grace you, that you've been given, but go and sin no more. 
And what is it that Augustine said after, you know, what we do sometimes is we proof text things and we pick out things that make it sound like this. But what does Augustine go on to say? Well, he goes on to say what Jesus said. He says, love as Jesus loved us. Now that's a different context, isn't it? Do what you want to do as opposed to love as Jesus loved us. If you love as Jesus loved us, you can't go wrong. What about the context of 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's all of those good things. What about the Beatitudes? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, those are the kinds of things. See, Jesus puts love into context, and that's why we need him. See, as the people of God, we are called to love as Jesus loved us. That's, that's our sort of our mantra, you might call it. That's why uh, Jesus instituted and entrusted the Holy Scriptures. When he, when he created the church, he entrusted the Holy Scriptures, or what we call the deposit of faith, and all of the ensuing tradition to the safekeeping of the church. That's where it is. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. I've had eight years of studying theology at graduate level, and I know less now than I knew when I went in. When I went in, I knew everything. You know, you ever done that? I knew everything when I went in. But after I come out, I realized I know nothing. God's too infinite and God's too great. And that's, that really helped me to understand why I need to lean more heavily upon the magisterium or the, the teaching of the church in terms of understanding the scriptures. I don't know it. And to be honest with you, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I mean, things that I have questioned over time, as I've studied them and reflected on them, I found that, boy, am I glad that I, I waited and I tried to understand what it, how the church interprets that. And uh, it, really, it really helps me. So the church is really essential. It's vitally essential, particularly in today's world. Here's the challenge. We're getting further away from the Word of God. Uh, people don't know God's Word. They don't know it. And when we do that, then what is what our definition becomes the free-for-all for whatever it is that we want to do. Then you are loving and doing what you will. You know, that is, that is true. But uh, we have to keep things in context. Jesus always did. And that's what we're called to do. And thank God for the church as they help us in bringing life, bringing love into context. So a couple of thoughts for reflection this morning. What's your driving passion in life? You know, you sit there, it doesn't matter what your age is. What is nearest to you and what is dearest to you today? Um, here's a better question. What do you feel when you think about the love of God in your life? Do you feel cold? Do you feel hot? Or maybe you feel nothing at all. A lot of people feel nothing at all today. They don't believe that God's that close to you. He is that close to you. Um, what is your driving passion in life? And the second thing is this. To study the word of God is non-optional. It truly isn't. It is non-optional if you desire to keep love in proper context. The further you get away, 
the more misunderstood, misunderstanding you receive. So what kind of student are you? You know, how much time do you spend studying and reflecting upon the Word of God in your life? God bless all of you.